The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Variety Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericavariety.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Welcome to Patricia Raskin's Positive Living, the program that brings you practical and inspiring principles for living more authentic, engaging, and passionate lives. Created by Patricia Raskin, a catalyst for positive change. All comments, views, and opinions are solely those of the host, guests, and callers. And now, here's your host, Patricia Raskin. Well, hello, everyone, and welcome to Voice America, and I'm Patricia Raskin. And with us today, we have Diane Bishop-James, and she's written a very interesting book called The Real Brass Ring, How to Change Your Life Course Now. And she's really written The Secrets of a Midlife Reboot. Welcome. Really welcome, Diane. Nice to have you on the program. Thank you so much, Patricia. I'm just so happy to be here. Yeah, I want to read a little more about you. That you had a lot of business success, and at 40, you embarked on a journey to find your heart and reignite a childhood passion for the dramatic arts. In 2003, you kicked off an acting career and over eight years became a SAG and after union actor with numerous film and television and industrial credits. And then you established Live Your Everything in 2012, which is a company that offers products and services and resources to support the path of reinvention and personal transformation. And again, your book is The Real Brass Ring, Change Your Life Course Now. Well, you know, it's um, it's not an easy thing to do. I've had to do it, and it's not an easy thing to do. But where do you start? Well, my journey was uh, particularly probably unusual in that um, I started my journey actually with a visit to a psychic. So uh, I kind of positioned it as I was outed by a psychic. I went to Sonia Choquette, who is, Yes. A world, world class, yes. <laughs> psychic woman, person, and uh, met with her on my 38th birthday as a birthday present, and I just expected her to tell me how wonderful I was and how much I'd lived this fabulous life so far because I had great business success, and I, I did everything they told me to do. I studied, I got my master's degree, I went to Northwestern, I I got my mini mansion, I, I did everything that I was instructed to do as a child, and I followed through. And I sat in her um, her office at the time in her home, and she literally undressed me for an hour. She told me that everything I had done and everything I'd been pursuing was wrong. Um, I, I had, my, my body was horribly out of shape. That was obviously, that was self-evident because I was about 190 pounds. I was huge. Um, I was depressed. She was the first person to ever really nail me on that. It was totally accurate. I mean, I was taking Prozac at the time. Um, she told me my marriage was fraternal and it was not a heart connection and that I had never really experienced a heart connection before. And she said that I had all these talents in the creative arts, you know, actor, healer, speaker, and I wasn't doing any of it. So she pretty much labeled me as an unlit Christmas tree. 
and someone needed wow. to take that plug and put it in the wall. And so wow. I was in shock, in shock. I literally went to my car. Wow. I cried for thir- I cried for thirty minutes. I wasn't able mm. to move because I was a midlife failure on all fronts, and it, it was pretty devastating at the time. Mm. Mm. So what did you do next? Well, I was uh, at first. I was in overwhelm. It was it was a lot to hear that every area of your life was a mistake or an error, and I was going down the wrong path, and I, I didn't know quite what to do at first. So I, I at the time, about 10 years ago, I started looking at the simple things. I started buying books. I bought every book she told me to buy. I started reading, reading and listening to tapes, and I actually discovered Abraham Hicks at the time, and I was able to catch them live in Chicago, just very serendipitous timing. And they started to make sense for me for the first time on how to really change, but I had to change from the inside, change from the inside out. I, they said, you have to start reaching for things that feel better. So the first thing I did is I said, you know, I'm not a depressed person. I'm, I'm a happy person on the inside. I have a lot of baggage, but I, was pretty, I knew that there was a happy person, so I got rid of all the pills. I said, I don't belong on any type of antidepressants. That's crazy. I then... Um, went to a place that Sonia recommended called the Hoffman Institute. Um, you can find it at thehoffmaninstitute.org. And they are a place that redoes uh, your emotional self. It allows you to connect with the heart and the core that's always been there, but was covered up, just covered up I by all the things. I have been there. I have been to the Hoffman oh. Institute, and I've been through their training. Oh, my goodness. You're a, we're Hoffman grads. Mm-hmm. Well, there's a lot of them actually running around. I guess there's almost... 40,000, maybe 50,000 internationally, and it, it fixed the inside. It, re, it allowed me to start my reboot with kind of a clean emotional core, and I found self-love for the first time ever. And in scrubbing the inside, well, I was able to address you, the outside. Let mm-hmm. me ask you this now. This is a very important question. When you say you found self-love... Mm-hmm. explain exactly what that means in layman's terms. Does that mean you liked yourself, you did yoga, you meditated, you took long baths? What does that mean? For me, what it meant is that I was able to actually see my authentic self for the first time, okay. my true self. I was able to give myself credit for everything that I had worked so hard, whether it was right or wrong, I acknowledged who I was as a true, beautiful soul, as an intellect, as a creative artist, as, as a woman, as a beautiful person. Uh, I was able to appreciate my body no matter where, what state it was in at the time. Mm-hmm. And I was actually, for the first time, able to touch on my authentic yes and no button. I think I had always said Yes, because I was supposed to do things, but mm. I really was able to get authentic with myself. Yes, mm. I do want to pursue this work. No, I don't want to go out on that date. Yes, mm. I do want to, you know, attend this movie. No, I do not want to buy another magazine for the magazine drive. Because I used to stuff everything. There was n- probably very little about me that was authentic. I thought I was supposed to do this. I thought I was supposed to buy that. Wear, you know, cute shoes. Buy your Prada bag. I had the bling and the and all the wild 
crazy things you were supposed to have and the huge flat screen TVs. But prior to that time, that was 100% completely inauthentic. I'd be happier sitting with a book by, by the lake for an hour than, than getting any of those things that I was supposed to do according to society. So I had to scrub the inside first, and then I was able to take a look at the outside. So that ties in the piece about the body, and I was very overweight. So after Hoffman, it was, to me, the, the food addiction, it was almost a miracle. It, it stopped, and I was able to drop about 45 pounds, and I've kept it off. Since then, I'm a little lower now even, and um, I was also able to, for the first time, say yes to the creative arts, so I started pursuing acting, and I was able to, um, very fortunate, very lucky, but I, I now am a SAG actor, and I was able to make my way into the Chicago acting scene, and I had no experience, no resume. I hadn't even been in a play in like 15 years, mm. so I was very lucky I was able to do that, and I took a look at my love life authentically. And I, now, I want to go back, before we go to the love life, I want to go back yeah. to the acting, mm-hmm. because it is extremely competitive. And when yeah. you say you were very lucky, I'm wondering if it was more than luck. I'm wondering if it was that you had an intention, that this is really what you wanted, and that the universe was really listening to you. What do you think? Oh, I think it's a combination of all, Patricia. That was a multifaceted, positive experience for me. I'm, I'm lucky in that I believe... Sonia gave me the thumbs up. So I had the, it's okay for you to pursue this. I had always wanted to do it, but I had been given the messages as a child that acting is a nonsense career and you can't pursue it, even though I'd always yeah. loved it. And I'd, I'd wanted to be yeah. on stage, of course, since I was like three. But I was told it was a terrible career, so never go into it, put it on the side. So when I did reopen that part of my life, it went very quickly for me. I had some natural talent. I studied classes day and night. I found guides and individuals who were just miraculously available to help me and put that hand out Mm -hmm. and lifted me straight up where everyone Mm -hmm. else would have said no. And I also Mm -hmm. put all of my attention towards it. I have um, my my next book, which I'm working on right now, has a six-point formula that has allowed me to encapsulate all the manifestation techniques I've been putting together into a simple formula, and I used every part of that formula every day towards the acting. So I was able to turn mine from a red light to a green light in mm. less than 18 months. Mm. And um, so I think... What are some me, of the... I know you're writing this in the next book, so we don't want to give it away, Diane, but what would you say are some of the key ingredients? Well, it is using all four quadrants of self to reach full potential. And I kind of look at it as the full potential yardstick. Which are? The four quadrants are physical? Well, the four quadrants, um, well, let's start with the easy ones. Um, first one is physical. You know, what exactly are you doing, you know, physically to, to move yourself forward in that area? Are you investing in X, Y, and Z, whatever it is that you need to do? Because I think a lot of times people want things, but they're not willing to, to, to do the work. And that's the actual physical work on this plane, on this earth, every day. Mm-hmm. Another piece, of course, is the mental piece. Where do you sit mentally? Are you, are you excited about it? Are you secretly terrified about it? Are there messages that you still have from the past that have said, you're never going to succeed? You have to look at all of that and really adjust it so that's not on the stinking thinking side, but it's on the positive side of that yardstick so that you can move forward. And then, of course, the, you know, the other part very much is, you know, is the emotional. That gets into, you know, again, kind of the fear button. 
where is your where is your your real true sense of emotional support for yourself? Mm-hmm. And I think that that's one of the tricks. I think we we definitely can take ourselves down, um, as we probably both learned in the Hoffman. So much of it is about programming from childhood, programming from the past. It's not your real self. It's just some message that you heard as a kid, mm. and it's not, it's not real. And then the last piece, of course, is spiritual. And that's the piece where it's the, um, it's the gift, it's the universe's um, hand that, that reaches down and is able to say, okay, you've done your part. Let me take this moment and let me reach you up and, and lift you to the next level, usually effortlessly. It's that phone call that comes in that says, oh, hi, by the way, I, I'd like to be your agent. And even yes. though I have no experience, I, I yes. had those. I had those phone calls. So I we're, looking, said, yes. we're looking at physical, emotional, spiritual, and what was the last one? Mental. Mental. Mm-hmm. And the mental is the part of the work that you do. Absolutely. The mental has a lot to do with the, the intentions. It has a mm-hmm. lot to do with your... Um, mm-hmm. Uh, I call it the stinking thinking. When yeah. you, I, I had, I was a chronic stinking thinker, <laughs> and I had all yeah. the bad messages. When we'd go outside, people would say, "Be safe," and I used to think, "Oh, be safe," because I guess something's going to happen to me that's unsafe. Well, now we don't say that. It's like, have a good time, enjoy yourself, have a fabulous day, enjoy your drive. Your trip's going to be great. So it has a lot to do with how you reprogram your mind as well. And I had to get out of all the disaster talk. And a lot of disaster talk going on mm-hmm. in my head from childhood. And uh, so, so now I want to pull this to the next step because now you had found fulfillment in your professional life. But now you wanted fulfillment in your personal life. How did you make that happen? Uh, the personal life for me had multiple fronts. I had to deconstruct a marriage. I had to make the choice that that marriage was just not fulfilling at a heart level. And so I, I did get divorced. Um, part of my personal life, of course, involves the children and the family life, and I had to be the ship and the steward and guide us through that so that everybody could get through the divorce and, and be happy, successful people. So I did it very intentionally. We were living in our micro-truth in the moment, the children had all the support they needed from me, but also from professionals, any professionals we needed to talk to, whether it be therapists or people at school or just looking, you know, kind of outside the box with energy healers even. Mm-hmm. And so I was able to make the shift from um, marriage to single life as a single woman, midlife dating, and then was able to also help quite a bit with the children and the family life. And then part of that, too, of course, is recreating. I, I got rid of the mansion. I got rid of the mini mansion, and we went to a much smaller, much smaller home. We went to a, a rental situation and had to live small. And I think that that actually has been a blessing. Now, a blessing not only mm. for me because the ring and the bling didn't wasn't working for me, but living a little bit smaller, I think, has allowed us to actually be more adaptable, more flexible. And I just didn't want to buy into the materialistic ways, and I was hoping not to show my kids that that seven vacations a year to the Bahamas is real. I mean, it's great, mm-hmm. but I think we could have a great vacation once a year. I drove them all to Tennessee <laughs> last year to see just see life and live in you know, the swimming holes and just to see a different part of the country in, in something that was a very affordable vacation because we also had to go through the recession with everybody else. So, so, so what, what you're really talking about is, is 
you know, there's so much involved here, but one is your intention. One is really seeing what makes you authentic and makes you happy inside, not just outside. Absolutely. That's something that you really just talked about a lot is the outer world. Now, it's true that the outer world is nice. It's nice to have the trips and it's nice to have the nice home. But you're saying that it isn't, it doesn't give you the happiness. It didn't for me, that's for sure. Mm. And I think if How we did watch you... TV, we might, the Kardashians might also support that theory. Yeah. <laughs> that I don't see a happy group over How there. How did you find your love? I spent um, many years as a single woman reinventing myself, even as a single woman, because I didn't date a whole lot before I, I got married. So I had to really rediscover myself as, you know, as a single woman. And to be honest with you, I had a wonderful time. I was in Chicago, and I was able to, uh, when I didn't have the kids, I could go downtown. I played. I was able to go dancing and see movies and, and have wonderful dinners and explore the arts. So I rediscovered myself as a human being through my dating experience and found that I really liked myself even more than after I graduated from Hoffman just because it was so reinforcing to meet such wonderful people. Um, Mm. But those relationships were a little bit more short-lived. I put myself on a formula, actually, when I wanted to get serious and find a partner, and that formula is what drove me to the person who I'm currently engaged uh, to at the time. And And what was that? I was so clear, Patricia. I listed everything, everything that I wanted in a partner, and I made sure that in my dating experiences, when I went through my list and I called it my I want list, and I identified every single feature and characteristic that were important to me, being specific but not too specific, about what I was looking for in a lifetime partner, a long-term partner. And any person who didn't meet that requirement at the time, I flashed a little light across my head, metaphorically, and it was called the date over sign. And if someone either um, was doing things I didn't care for, whether it be involved in too much alcohol or whether they, they too, were you know, struggling with major, major issues, if they um, physically, I just didn't find them attractive... Or if they weren't finding their own passion or pursuing their own passion, I would very quickly flash my little date over sign and I would very politely and very sweetly not, you know, we'd stay friends, but I would not pursue that person as a romantic interest. And I think when I got serious about it, the universe got serious about it. So they matched my intention. And I very... Did that include physical relationship too? You stayed away from that until you found the right person? Oh, I'm, I was always pursuing love, so I was very, very, very um, intentional about that. I, I had to truly have a mutually exclusive, exclusive loving relationship before I would um, pursue much on the physical side, just because my heart really needed to find love, and mm. uh, that was truly important for me. Yeah, and, and you, you were very clear so because you were so clear, as you were in the other areas today that you've discussed, that's why it came to you. Now, when it came to you, did you know right away? Yes, because there was so much synergy that it seemed, uh, I tried to flash the date over sign with him, but I couldn't because he met all the criteria. And the more I mm-hmm. tried to find reasons to not pursue the relationship, 
the stronger I saw that the signs, we had so much back, we had similar background. We had lived in the same city in high school. We had gone to the same college. We had both Mm. gone to Northwestern, and we were both in the same business field. It was beyond just serendipity. It was it was truly something from the universe because I couldn't have crafted that if I wanted to. There's no way I could have found someone that was such a perfect match. So it was the universe matching my intention. That's so such a heartwarming story. And what's interesting in your book, you know, when you write the brass ring, what you're talking about is everything that led up to really getting what you wanted in life and what fulfills you. Absolutely. Hmm. What else do you want our listeners to know? What, what's the message of your book? Well, the message of the book is about midlife reinvention and that it not only is a positive, wonderful, fabulous thing to pursue, it's possible, it's real, and it makes you feel so much better about yourself as a woman, as a, as a man, whoever you might be, just to feel much more fulfilled doing one minute of something that you love versus an entire week of something that is just okay. And mm-hmm. what I find to be the most satisfying part is we have a website. It's called liveyoureverything.com, and I, I know you mentioned that. And I'd like to create it. It's new, and we're still developing it, but it's a sanctuary for midlife transformation. And I've offered tips. Tools. We have a brand new product line that's coming out that will have um, just small reminders about how wonderful you are and how it how good it feels to truly find your heart. Uh, we're going to have um, inspirational quotes, music, meditation, uh, television interviews with others who have achieved success, and just to once again show that it is one hundred percent possible and it feels awesome to do it. Well, that's really wonderful. Now, when you say midlife, are you saying 40s, 50s, 60s? 40s and beyond. <laughs> I don't think there's an end date. <laughs> I think at any time you can transform. Um, I just recently met a woman who is in her 80s, and she just started playing drums, and she's in a band, <laughs> and she's loving it. And it's just heartwarming to talk to anyone doing anything that just turns their light on. It's just, it's exciting to see. I want to read something that's in your book. According to Don Miguel Perez is The Four Agreements. Here are four steps to personal freedom. One, always do your best. Two, be impeccable with your word. Three, don't make any assumptions. And four, don't take anything personally. That one I need to read over a few times. And I want to read what he says there. Don't take anything personally. What others say and do is a projection of their own reality, their own dream. When you are immune to the opinions and actions of others, you won't be the victim of needless suffering. Wow. I just went right to that passage. So accurate. Completely accurate. But it's also, I think a real issue for a lot of us. I mean, I've been in this industry and this business for years, and that's something I still grapple with, is taking it personally. I'm sure I'm not alone. I I think everybody feels the same, and it's taking me several years of practice, and I I actually have to practice it because 
if someone says something and I get that little inner zing, that little feeling where they, they said something, whether it be about my weight or something I've just produced or they used a shame and blame kind of comment, it will zing. It will zing inside. And mm-hmm. I, I have to sometimes still sit with that and let it, let it kind of dissipate, let it calm down, and remember that whatever that comment was that was made, especially if it's a shame or blame comment, that it comes from them and the messages that they heard, usually, again, in childhood. And I work very hard at moving straight to compassion. Rather than let that comment resonate with me and wonder why did they say that this was a disappointment or it didn't work out right, I go straight to, oh, my goodness, I wonder what you heard as a kid. Because that's where that comes from. And um, I'm, I'm, I'm better at it. I'm not perfect, but I, I'm getting a lot better at noticing that it truly is from the other person's core and damage, you know, hurt, hurt or pain that they've experienced, and it just gets projected out. But it, it takes a lot of practice to, to go there. Hmm. Hmm. What is your advice to women in particular in midlife that have been through crisis whether it's a health crisis or an emotional crisis in a relationship or a work crisis of, you know, losing their job or career, what would be your advice to them? Diane, you've written a whole book on this, but what would you say to them right off? Uh, Well, the first thing I would recommend is use the crisis, of course, as an opportunity. A crisis is, is typically there because almost everything is at our own hand and you've brought it to that point so that you'll take a look at it. Mm -hmm. So to number one, embrace the crisis as a beautiful chance to put yourself on a life review and to be honest and come clean with yourself. Whether you get a helper, either, you know, a therapist or a friend or someone that you can talk to and allow yourself to go on a life review. I, I had the chance to do that. Take a look at every aspect of your life in complete honesty and ask yourself where it is in your current state and allow yourself to vision that future state. And that gap between the two is kind of where the crisis sits. The crisis is usually because you've been going down a path so long that you wouldn't stand, take a stand towards the change, so the change came to you. And mm-hmm. so I, I truly look at the crisis as a beautiful opportunity. It doesn't always feel that way. In fact, most of the time it doesn't feel that way. Um, but when it does present itself, whether you, you're out of a job and you have to make a shift, you know, I consider the recession to have been my great equalizer. It equalized not only everything I was going through, it equalized everybody around me. People who had big houses oftentimes had to sell them. People who were in a career that they pretty much had hated every day had to take a look at it and say, now what do I want to do? How do I change my life now? And for me, the great equalizer of the recession is that it gave me, uh, and we had very quiet, quiet work. I mean, I think we didn't have any billing income for almost nine to nine months to a year. Mm. And the beauty in that, I didn't realize it at the time because it didn't feel so good, but the beauty in it is I finished the book. And had mm. I not had that window of the recession, I'm not sure the book would, would ever have been able to to be birthed because I was involved in so many activities. Well, that's where you find the, the opportunity in the crisis. Right. And you find, I mean, that's what my work is all about. That's why I do these shows. I mean, this is this is what I do is I bring people on, like yourself, 
to share this, to say to the public and to the audience, there is always an opportunity in the crisis, and you have to find it. There's always hope, and that's what the programs do is give you hope. Right. I'm really the catalyst pollinator to get this information out. Because I think, I think it's hard for a lot of us. I mean, I find I have my challenges as much as I believe in positive thinking and I'm a proponent and I interview amazing people like yourself every single day. Still, things will come up where you hit a block and you have to look at that. And so is it a block or is it a way to open up another door? And that's what you're talking about. Yes. Yeah. And I think our challenge is to live our wild, courageous, brilliant self every single day. And that's probably the work, I believe that's the work of this lifetime. If you were able to every day be your wild, courageous, brilliant, beautiful self, what would that look like? It's exciting. It is, and it's been a pleasure to have you on. How can people find out more about your book? Uh, The book is, you can find it on my website, liveyoureverything.com. And there's information, there's um, quotes, there's um, music, there's meditation. Soon there will be products. And there's access to the book, and um, and this radio show will be on our website um, Wonderful. as soon as we can. All right. Thank you so much. Stay on the line for a minute. Thank you so much, Diane, for being on the program. Thank you so much for having me. Yeah, the, my guest has been Diane Bischoff James. Her book is The Real Brass Ring, Change Your Life Course Now. You can log on to liveyoureverything.com. All right, folks, remember, stay healthy, stay happy, get the support you need, and know you can make your dreams come true. Until next time, I'm Patricia Raskin, right here for Patricia Raskin Positive Living on voiceamerica.com, America's Voice. Bye for now. Thank you for tuning in to this week's edition of Patricia Raskin's Positive Living. Be sure to join Patricia Raskin and another amazing guest next Monday at 2 p.m. Eastern Time, 11 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. Have an outstanding week. Thanks again for listening to the preceding program brought to you on the Voice America Variety Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericavariety.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the preceding program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management.